On today's show, you may know him from Valerie, Valerie's family, or the Hogan family. Please welcome Jeremy Lick. Hey, Mike. Mike, thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. You ready to get this thing rolling? Let's go. Everybody, welcome to the Mike Grand Show. And on today's show, my special guest is from Valerie, Valerie's family, and the Hogan family. Please welcome Jeremy Lick. Hey, Jeremy, how are you? Hey, Mike, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm happy to uh, be able to sit down with you and chat for a little while. Thanks for joining us today. So we're going to have a great time, guys. Um, first thing I want to know, Jeremy, is can you tell us a little bit about how you got involved in acting? Yeah, so I was uh, about five years old, and I have a cousin that is uh, was in the entertainment industry, and her mother and my mother were very good friends, and she started working. And her mom said to my mom, hey, why don't you meet with our agent and see if there's anything there? And over a long period of time, my mom finally uh, said, all right, we'll give it a try. We'll go in, and I ended up with an agent. And over a period of time, it started out with like uh, print ads, like you'd see in a Sears calendar for clothes, uh, and then into commercials, and commercials turned into what were big in the 70s and early 80s, these movies of the week. And I did a good number of movies of the week. And then finally got kind of a, a bigger break um, when I worked on Twilight Zone, the movie. I booked a role in that, which was really sort of brought some notoriety in my name around. And I want to say a year and a half, two years later, I went out for the pilot uh, for at the time, as you mentioned, Valerie, and, uh, and ended up booking it. And the rest, as they say, is history. But it was, a, it was not an overnight thing by any stretch. It really took a while to get going. Um, but boy, it was a lot of fun. That's for sure. Yeah. And can you tell us a little bit about the audition process? Because on Valerie, you played Brainy Mark Hogan. Right. And you were a fraternal twin. Yes. So you had a twin. His name was Willie on the show, played by Danny Ponce. So That's can right. you tell us about how that was like the audition process and if they paired you guys up together and things like that? Absolutely. So it was a really interesting process. So the first couple of auditions, and again, this was just for a pilot, which is the first episode of the show. So as far as anybody knows, we're just going to shoot this one episode. We're going to present it to the network. If they like it, great, they'll order more. And if not, then that's the end of that. So I went on two auditions on my own. Um, I don't have a huge memory of that. First of all, we're going back a few years. But I do remember the third one. Because on the third uh, audition, I got paired up with Danny Ponce. And I never met Danny before. I knew he was going out for the role of Willie. I was going out for Mark. And we got paired up together. Hey, it's nice to meet you. Um, let's go see what we can do. Well, we went in, we played well off of each other and that was it. You know, nice to see you. Goodbye. Well, we both got called back in again. And I can't remember whether, I mean, it, I want to say it was like five or six total auditions. 
and they keep the room kept getting bigger and bigger and the the meeting table kept getting longer and longer um and the executives kept getting well i'll say higher and higher right it started with the production company and then finally with nbc and the very last episode uh, last audition that danny and i went on together um at this point i don't want to say we knew each other but we were familiar enough because we've done this a few times together that when I walked into the waiting room, there he was with his mom, and I was with my mom, and he had a boombox. So a boombox, for those who just aren't aware, was basically how you listen to portable music in the 80s, right? It was this big thing, and it had two speakers, and at the time, a tape deck. So he had a tape deck and this boombox, and he walked in, and I literally was like, I have no idea what this guy's going to do. But... Let's just see how it goes. So we got in there and they asked us a series of questions back and forth, sort of as characters, as people, getting to know each other. And I knew this character was more on the brainy side. His character was a little more loosey-goosey. So they said to him, you, you brought this boombox in with you. Danny, what can you do with that? Well, he hits play on the boombox and out comes something like, and I couldn't tell you exactly what it was, but just in your head, Go to Run DMC, okay? Go to Early Run DMC, and it's and he starts popping and locking and break dancing, and this is in a corporate meeting room, okay? And he does this whole thing, and he's awesome, and he killed it, right? He absolutely killed it, and so he's done. He gets the applause. It goes over great. He sits back down right next to me. They look at me and they're like, "So what do you do?" And I said, "Well, I don't do that." <laughs> and that was it. That was all that I said. And they loved sort of the banter that we had. And we ended up both obviously booking the show, booking the pilot. And we ended up filming the pilot. And sort of a little known fact was the day of the pilot, I came down with chicken pox. And they said, well, are you going to do this or not? I said, I'm, I'm here. I'm doing this. They had to put out like a waiver if any crew members or their wives, anybody who's pregnant, go home because someone has chicken pox, et cetera, et cetera. I ended up shooting the pilot and the pilot was not sold. NBC just didn't have room for it. And so that was it. And we thought we were done. Well, six months later, we get a call. I remember being at a friend's house. My mom called and said, remember that pilot that you did? Well, they picked it up as a, what they call a mid-season replacement, which is, we had a show on the air. It's not doing very well. So we're going to pull that show out and we're going to slot your show in there. And they picked us up for six episodes. And when all was said and done, we did 110 episodes. And I will tell you uh, another fun piece to this whole puzzle is uh, to this day, Danny Ponce is one of my closest friends on the planet. Um, with the exception of obviously covid uh, with the big asterisk next to 2020 and so far 2021, we used to see each other every couple of weeks and either have dinner, our families would get together, we'd go and have a couple of beers. Um, he's still one of my closest friends on the planet. We laugh about the irony of being cast as fraternal twins because he now has, I don't know, six or seven inches taller than I am. And he's a big sort of Latin looking guy a big beefy guy and i'm i'm me at five five so it's just it's just very funny the way they cast us 
Um, but uh, I wouldn't trade it for the world. It was an amazing, amazing experience. And that, that's the long story of how I got into the business. <laughs> awesome. And did Danny have experience? Was he acting at that time when he auditioned? He did. He did. He had been, I, I mean, I don't have his, his IMDb on me, but he, there were a few things that he had done. I know he was on Knott's Landing for a while. I know he was in a very pivotal episode of Family Ties. Um, uh, and he was also, at the very end, he played Fonzie's adopted son. Really good trivia there. So, um, but he had done, yeah, he had worked quite a bit before he and I both had, we had quite a bit of experience uh, in front of the camera. So we knew what we were doing, but that also doesn't necessarily prepare you for a three camera sitcom, um, which was different than anything we had ever really done. Most of what I had done was like, I talked about those movies of the week or this dramatic film that I had done where um, you're not holding for laughs, right? There's no live audience. Um, and, you know, it, it was a very different experience, but who did have a lot of experience and who was very, uh, who provided a lot of guidance uh, was the, the unknown guy who played our older brother, Jason Bateman, who had had a ton of experience with Silver Spoons and It's Your Move and was able to explain to us, hey, look, this is, this is what the camera is looking for, right? This is where you are. That's where your light is. Um, this is how this is going to look and feel. And I remember being very, um, if you will, nervous about like messing up. What if I mess up my lines in front of 300 people? I mean, I had done theater before, but you just kept going, right? In theater, the show must go on. It doesn't matter what happened. You keep going. He said, whatever you do, when you mess up, and you will mess up, make it funny, make it funny. We're gonna, they're going to cut anyway, but the audience will love seeing you real. They love seeing that you're human. And then they'll trip out because you're going to go back and do the exact same scene, the exact same way you did it before, but you got it right. And they're going to cheer for you. Um, so it was a very, he was incredibly helpful in his guidance because he had, even though he's, he's actually, Jason is two years older than I am in real life. And Danny is two years younger than I am. So I'm, believe it or not, right in the middle. But Jason had so much experience. It was just very helpful in guiding us. Valerie Harper was as well, because she had done, obviously, a lot of uh, three-camera sitcom work as well. Yep, so Valerie Harper played your mom on the show. Right. We had Jason Bateman, who played your older brother. And what's a lot, like you said, he was on Silver Spoons. And they actually spun him off, too, on there as well. That's and right. And Jason actually... He, he actually was on a lot of sitcoms back in the day. A lot of them yes. were short-lived, but Jason has a lot of sitcom experience. I'm sure many people now know him from Arrested Development, Ozark, some of the other things that he's done, but he did do a lot back then as well. He and did. then you also had playing your dad, Josh Taylor. Yes. Who also was on Days of Your, Our Lives. Never actually, to this day, never stopped being on Days of Our Life. Yeah, so he- Our Lives, I should say. He juggled uh, both, he did, right? did change characters which you can do i guess on a on a uh on a soap opera but um yeah josh is great in fact we all try to get together the, the cast members who still live in la which um sandy duncan who ended up coming in later in the show um lives in new york we all live in los angeles and again COVID aside we've all tried to get together uh, about once a year usually around the holidays 
to try to fit into everybody's schedule and have lunch. Um, and it's amazing to, to still get together with people. We worked together, I mean, I don't know, 30 years ago, uh, you know, uh, even more now. So, it, you know, but to see them, how's your family? How are things going? What's going on? It's not all talking shop. Really, it's more about how are you, you know, how, how's your family, but how are your kids doing in this pandemic? Like that kind of stuff. Um, so it's, it's, it's wonderful. We, we were really, really lucky. Um, we had a wonderful set. There were no egos on the set. Uh, we all realized that we had a great gig. We had a good job. We enjoyed it. Going to work was fun. Obviously, we were getting paid well to do something that we loved, which is not everybody's dream, right? To get paid well for doing something you love, regardless of what that is. Um, and so it was a really special time. And, and yeah, we worked with some amazing people, both in front and behind the camera. We had such amazing talent. Now, in the beginning, um, how you, when you filmed that pilot, was that the only pilot you filmed or did you have to refilm it? Was that the, was the pilot that we see on air the one you did? That is, they, yeah, that pilot that, that is on the air is the one that we filmed. Um, that was, that was sort of our pitch. And I, I mean, if for anybody out there watching, pilots are tough uh, because in 22 minutes, or, or if it's obviously an hour long, you can do it there. You have to basically say, okay, you are now plunked into our living room. Here's who all the characters are, go. So it's very hard to develop the characters, right? First of all, the actors, you know, we know about these characters, but you don't have, I mean, if you, if you watch anything for a few seasons, that's when the characters get developed, right? That's when you really see the nuances that, that exist there. So yeah, our, our pilot is out there. I know that it, it is showing, um, and, uh, but things changed pretty significantly over the years from the original pilot. Um, even parts of the house changed. They didn't yeah. like the way this was lit or whatever it was. So what's really funny about the pilot, if, if anybody has a chance to actually go and look back, I believe there was a scene, if I'm not mistaken, that um, David, Jason Bateman's character has a girlfriend in there and she's leaving, you know, through the front door or something. If you look very closely and this happens in a lot of sitcoms and so he's neat to, to just kind of see the microphone you can oh, yeah. catch it in the shot. Oh yeah, overhead There's... microphone to make sure that you can hear the actors. Yes, well, we exactly. Well, we, I mean, we were on a soundstage and they did everything they could to dress it, but occasionally, you'll catch. They call it a boom, the overhead mic that, uh, you know, or or a light gets a little. Maybe someone will jump and you'll see a shake in the light or something like that. That happens a lot. Now, a little trivia. I don't know. I'm, I'm going to test you right now. A couple sure. things, see if you remember here. Do you remember your house number from the show? No idea. All right. No idea. 840. 840. 840. I believe you. 840. I believe, I believe you entirely. And do you remember your dog on the show? I do. I do. Okay. So I'll tell you something really funny about the dog. They killed the dog off in the first season. It was a sweet dog. They didn't really kill the dog. I don't want letters from PETA. They did not rid the dog. No, no animals were hurt in the production of the show. Uh, the dog's name was originally Muffin. And somehow Muffin, <clears throat> when it was shot, didn't sound right. So they changed it to Murray. And, uh, and, and I guess they dubbed it over because Muffin with your mouth looks like Murray. Uh, and they killed the dog off by having him either jump 
or fall off the roof. That's all I can say about that. I think it was a contract dispute, personally, but what do I know? <laughs> so sad. We miss, we miss Murray having that Murray. dog in the house. His time ended too soon on the show. Too soon. Too and soon. what I do love about the show is you had an awesome theme song sung by Roberta Flack as well. Right. Um, the theme song was pretty cool. I liked, you know, hearing like the, one of those 80s, you know, type theme songs. It was a lot of fun. It was bouncy. It was yeah. very bouncy. Now, what I want to know, too, is in the beginning when they kind of did, you know, because the show was on for six, six seasons. Right. In the beginning, they kind of had Danny Ponce, then Jeremy Licht credited, then they did vice versa. Was there any particular reason that you know of that they kind of just switched you guys? I actually had no idea they did that to this moment. I had yeah, no they idea. actually did the first three seasons. Um, Danny was credited first, credits. then it switched to you. I think it's probably because I'm far more handsome. And I hope that Danny's watching this now because I'm far more handsome. They, they wanted the twins, I guess, you know, split up, have equal screen time. Equal screen time. I, I just, in all honesty, Mike, I had no idea until you just mentioned it. So now I, I taught you something tonight. <laughs> you did. That's awesome. And then also in the, in the first couple seasons, you had a couple of recurring characters that came and went. One of them was Christine Ebersol. Yes. She was on there. She played Barbara. Yes. And you also had in season two, Judith Kahn. Am, yes. am I pronouncing that right? Playing Annie Smith. Yes. Yes. So it's funny. Um, Christine Ebersol, I want to say, played Valerie's sister-in-law, like our aunt, but was never mentioned again. Poof, disappeared. And that's sitcom land, right? All of a sudden, somebody like, you know, what is like the Chuck Cunningham uh, just disappeared. Um, and Judith I think these were characters, and they they definitely had, with the exception of Edie McClure, who played Mrs. Poole, the kind of crazy neighbor from Ferris Bueller, um, and amongst a billion other things. When once Valerie left the show, they kind of they some of the characters. I I don't think that it was. I don't know whether it was intentional or not, because again, as an actor, we're put in with people. Hey, you're going to act with them this week. Okay, great. Fantastic. We'll act with whoever you put in, you know, put with us. So there were characters that were in there early on and then they're gone later. We used to joke that um, on our show that we used to call them Bateman's blondes, that, that every week there was a different blonde that date, the character of David was dating. And very, very rarely did somebody last. I think there were a couple that were like at a few weeks, <clears throat> but they kept moving through because I think it was more interesting to see him struggling with dating than it was to be with somebody uh, on a regular basis. And you did have a lot of guest stars over the years too that, you know, played David's girlfriends and other people on the show. Like one in particular I can remember right now is Lisa Renna. That oh, yeah. There. Oh, absolutely. Who, um, who, who we had Lisa Renna, Josie Bissett uh, played my girlfriend for a while from Melrose Place. Um, Leah Remini was on the show. There's, I mean, there were a lot of people that, that went on to do some really, really good things. Um, so yeah, we were very fortunate, very fortunate to, to work with some great people. Yep. So in the first two seasons, it was called Valerie. Valerie Harper starred on the show. And then towards the end of season two, Valerie had left. 
So there was like a contract dispute, mm -hmm. you know, something going on there. Can you tell us um, what it was like for you as an actor, if you knew that that was what was going on at the time, or, you know, you had no clue and just kept showing up and then you're like, one day she's gone. Like, what did you know of at the time when that was happening? So it was more toward the latter of what you were saying. Um, we were, I can tell you that, that certainly Danny and I had no idea. Um, that anything was going on. It really was behind closed doors. Um, Valerie was wonderful to work with and was a perfectionist and knew what she wanted from the show. And um, it's funny, not long ago, I actually went onto Wikipedia and I read about what they wrote and it seemed to be incredibly accurate. So I'm, I'm guessing it was somebody who was either on the inside or who knew what was going on, which was, I don't think it's that complicated. I think she asked for a lot of money. They said no. She threatened to walk. They called her bluff. Then she came back and they didn't like the, they didn't like her being in it anymore. And so they fired her and then she sued them and she got a bunch of money and they killed her off. Now, this is easy to say, what, 30 years later, right? 30 plus years later. Um, but at the time, we thought we were dead. I mean, when the show is called Valerie and Valerie's gone, um, that is not usually a good sign for being able to continue. And um, we, I remember it first came to my attention. I want to say that we were going to shoot. So before the season started, <clears throat> we would always film opening credits, right? Whether we're kicking a football, playing in the park, having a picnic, right? Running or whatever it is. So we went to go film those and we would always film them in a park around the corner from where we filmed in Culver City, California. We went to go to go do that. Of course, this is the first time in a while that the cast is getting back together because we hadn't seen each other in a while. And we're all there and we're getting ready to shoot and there's no Valerie. Okay. All right, she's not here. Whatever. I mean, you know, I don't want to say whatever, but like, oh, that's kind of odd, but all right, we can shoot ours, right? We don't all have to be together doing it. So we all shot ours. And then, I don't know, a week later, we're going to be on set. And she wasn't there. Okay, now, now there's an inkling that there's a problem, right? And we don't know what's going on. And there's a big meeting. And I don't remember this <coughs> perfectly. But it was something in the effect of, look, there's some stuff going on behind the scenes. We're going to film this episode. Uh, let's take episode one. <coughs> Excuse me. Sorry. So we're going to film episode one without her. We're not going to say anything about it. You know, mom's out of town, right? Something very simple and innocuous. Mom's out of town. It's just the guys this week or whatever it is. And it went really, really well. It went easy. It was, it was fine. Lynn Valerie came back. Because I guess either they had resolved it or she wanted to come back or she got wind that it was going well. I don't know what was going on there. So she came back. We refilmed the episode with her. Okay, this was all without an audience because it was so, so kind of glitchy. Then she was gone. And I don't know whether she was fired or what, <clears throat> but the next thing I knew next week, you have a new co-star. Okay, who is that? Sandy Duncan. Okay, uh, you, I mean, huge theater person, early TV stuff, very funny, but she's gonna play the ant. 
Okay. Uh, all right. So Sandy came in and we all welcomed her with open arms. Listen, we're all, you know, we're all just trying to put the best project together that we can, right? There's no grudges. We want to work. We want to work and keep this thing going. So we just lost the namesake of our show and they ended up doing an episode where, um, you know, at the beginning of season three, they said like one line, mom died six months ago and we're so happy Aunt Sandy could come in. And that was basically it. And I'll tell you kind of a funny story about when we all met Sandy. On Mondays, we would all get a new script or over the weekend we get a new script and we'd all meet in that big, that same room at Lorimar that I was telling you about where Danny and I auditioned. That huge, huge corporate room. And the writers are there and the producers are there and the directors there and all the actors. We've all got our scripts <coughs> and we're reading them. And Sandy comes in and we meet her and it's great and all that. So we read it, it all goes very well. And she says, I have a question. Whose parking spot is the one straight, if you go down that, that side straight ahead next to the soundstage? What happened to have in mind? I said, oh, that, that's, that's my spot. Why? She goes, would you trade spots with me? But hers was just like a turn, right? I was like, uh, yeah, sure. I, I don't care. Uh, why? She goes, so I have terrible depth perception and I'm afraid I'm going to run into your car. And I went, done. The spot is yours. <laughs> so she was a very funny person, is a very funny person. Um, absolutely lovely. We had an, a great time together. I love that she always played this very wholesome, lovely character. She had a mouth like the rest of us, like a truck driver. Um, just a wonderful, wonderful person to work with. And we loved it. And thankfully, we ended up going a few more years with her. And those years happened to be as we, the younger twins, were growing up. So we were also afforded more opportunities, the dating things and the high school, junior high school uh, friction, which made for good comedy. Um, it was really, like I said, we, we really had, we used to say we were like a cat with nine lives, you know? And then at the very end, they moved networks. They changed networks on us. So like, we just had all these different changes that went on, um, but really had such a great cast and crew. We were very fortunate. And that's kind of that's how it played out for us. I will tell you that my, I remember my grandmother calling me and saying, I heard Valerie Harper left the show. Where, where did you hear that? Entertainment tonight. I said, well, I'm glad I'm the last to know. <coughs> Excuse me, my throat's a little dry here. <laughs> yep, so then, um... You know, Valerie had left, Sandy came on board. So she actually had like a deal with NBC. Branham Tartikoff was trying to look for like a project for her mm. and okay. put her in there. And then, you know, the show for that one season was called Valerie's Family. Then in the summer reruns, it just formally became the Hogan family and was known that ever since. That's right. For the I think part of Valerie's series. deal was, and I think on both sides, once she left the show, I think she wanted her name out. And I think that our producers wanted her name off as well. Uh, yeah. So that's when they changed it. And then what was nice about season three is one of the recurring characters got pushed up uh, that you mentioned before, Edie McClurg. 
Mrs. Yep. Poole, your neighbor. So can you tell yes. us a little bit about Edie McClurg? Edie, Edie comes from, uh, I believe it was the Groundlings background. Um, and so for her, I mean, she's so quick on her toes. She knew her stuff so well. She knew the character inside and out. She'd been around forever, uh, not to age her, but just such an unbelievable professional. <clears throat> and she had worked with both Valerie and Sandy. So they loved her. They kept her on and, you know, her sort of the zany neighbor antics. Um, and her husband was, uh, was played by Willard Scott back from the Today Show, which was kind of funny having him on set as well. Um, Edie was dynamite. I mean, just quick and witty and knew her stuff and um, unbelievably solid. I'm I lost touch with her. I ran into her, I mean, it's probably 10, 10, 15 years ago. I haven't seen her in a long time, but just um, I have a huge love for her as well. And then uh, Jason Bateman's character of David, he had a couple best friends that joined the show as well. That's there right. Was um, Tom Hodges, who played Rich. That's and right. It was also Steve Whitting, who played yep. Bert. So can you tell us a little bit about uh, working with those two? Yeah, so so Steve uh, is, is in, lives in New York um, and has always lived in New York. Steve's actually, uh, I mean, he was playing 17, 18 when he was almost 30. Um, so Steve <clears throat> is, has a big theater background and was, you know, just so funny as this character, Bert. Bert was supposed to be like a one-off deal. In fact, Bert, as I recall, was, a, was the character of David, Jason Bateman, was often like on the phone with Bert. Like for half the time, you didn't even see Bert. And so it was almost like Bert was this punchline. Well, then they decided to bring Bert in. And Steve was so funny and is so funny. <clears throat> Not just his look with the pants up to his chest, but just such a funny guy, a funny character. He got it. He, you know what I mean? He understood it. And they played well off of each other. Um, Jason has hired uh, um, uh, Steve in multiple projects through the years that, that Jason has done. They've remained very close friends. Um, Tom Hodges was coming, I, I don't know if it was right then, but he was coming off of Lucas, uh, the movie Lucas, um, back with Corey Haim, and <clears throat> was great. He fit the role of Jock really, really well. Um, a great guy to work with, very funny. He was more uh, a little bit on the straight, uh, the kind of the straight character to, uh, to, to Steve Whitting's goofy character. Um, and then ended up leaving the show for a period of time. And this was really an amazing thing that the character of Rich left the show for a while. And that's when Steve Whitting's character, Bert, really got moved up. And then <clears throat> I can't remember if it was the very last season or the second to last season. Um, he wrote a script, a Hogan family script. Um, that Tom did, where his character got AIDS. Now, this is going back to, <clears throat> I don't know, 1989, 1990. And I don't remember how it was all put together, but it was insinuated that it was that he was straight and that he had gotten 
AIDS from unprotected sex. I don't think it was, I think it was more inferred than I'm bringing it right out. But it was very direct because at the time, HIV and AIDS was very much looked at as a gay disease or hemophiliac, right, blood transfusion. And he wanted to basically say, look, I'm not back on the show. I'm actually writing this script to kill my character off. But I think it's going to be very powerful. And I want to do it in such a way that sort of honors my character. And it's not like, oh, that's, that's a gay thing or that's a hemophiliac thing. No, this is, this is a deadly disease, especially at the time. There was no cocktail. There was no cure or remission. Um, and we shot it. And it was really, um, I remember, you know, we did 110 episodes. And when people say, what was your favorite? In all honesty, it's like one really long episode, generally. But I remember that episode really well. Danny and I had very little to do with it. So we actually were able to watch a lot of what was going on. Um, and it was this very touching episode where, I mean, Jason read the, uh, Jason, the character, Jason's character, David, eulogized him and talked about him. And I think there were flashbacks and, um, you know, our show generally, I'll say generally was pretty light, pretty light, but there were a few issues that we tackled. Um, uh, we were actually the first, uh, the first sitcom to use the word condom by name. It had never been said on TV before. It, it wasn't shown, but it was, he, Jason was going to possibly uh, sleep with this girl. And do, do we have condoms? Boom. And then we lost, uh, we lost uh, advertising. And there was a, uh, what do they call it? Something in front of the episode, a warning in front of the episode that this, this particular episode has mature content and things like that. And this AIDS episode was a really... Um, a really big deal. And I, I got to tell you, I'm very proud of it. It was a really solid episode. And I was very proud of Tom to kind of do something very bold. Not only, you know, I'm going to take my character out, but I'm going to do it this way. And I'm going to do it in a non-traditional way because it would be easy. It would be easy to go this route with this disease, but I'm not. I'm going to do it this way so that it brings more awareness to this concern of what was out there. So that is the really long answer to your very short question, Mike, um, about those two guys. Great, great guys. Um, wonderful. Yep, you did have a few very special episodes in there as they would like to call them back in the day. Cause like you said, it was a very light sitcom, but you did right. touch on some powerful you know, subjects which was great to see as well throughout the mm -hmm. years. And then once you start to hit, you know, season five, then it was sort of the end of your NBC run. Two people uh, joined the cast that came on permanently then in, uh, when you switched networks. So Josie Pizzette, who played your girlfriend. Right. And then you also had Angela Lee. So can you talk to me about those two? Absolutely. First of all, Angela and I are still very close friends. And she and Danny and myself have hung out. We have a group of friends that still hang out. I love and adore her. Um, Josie, while I've lost touch with her, we had so much fun working together. Um, and people have asked me about it because obviously she's a beautiful woman and they cast her to play my girlfriend. And um, we, we, we became very good friends and I loved working with her. And the greatest part of it was 
Um, and people always ask me because we played so mushy together was, oh my gosh, did you guys really have chemistry? And the answer is no. Like we liked each other as people and respected each other as actors. But the reason that it looks so good is that we could just have fun, right? They had us kissing and making out and googly and all that. <clears throat> but there was nothing more. Like she had a boyfriend and a girlfriend, like, but it was, it was fun. And oftentimes it can be very awkward if you like your co-star and you have these scenes, it can be, but we never had that. So we were able to just play this really mushy, gushy thing um, and have a lot of fun with it. And those girls were wonderful. You know, they played sort of like our characters, like Mark and Willie, they played sort of the two that you would put them together with. And they were awesome. They were absolutely fantastic to work with. And it ended up really a lifelong friendship um, I haven't talked to Josie in years, and I still obviously adore her. But Angela, I, I, I mean, again, COVID aside, in fact, we have a very good friend's birthday party that was like beginning of March <clears throat> 2020, like right before lockdown. Uh, we all got together for a friend's birthday. And Angela was there, and Danny was there, and all our, our other group of friends, and we were having drinks and having a great time. She's fantastic, and she's got a wonderful... Uh, family and her daughter goes to school near my daughter and so anyway it's kind of a big happy family in that in that respect and then right around that time so we're here we are at the end of season five yes actually then what happens is valerie returned to sitcom television and yes. she had a sitcom that was on cbs that they decided to put up the same exact time as I, the hogan family i remember that so what was quite interesting about that sitcom, so I honestly, I, I did not see that because I was watching you guys back then. Well, thank you. But uh, <laughs> a couple interesting facts for the viewers is in that sitcom, Danny Ponce's sister right. played Valerie's daughter. That's right, Luann. So I wonder what kind of little competition in the Ponce household was going on there for who's going to get the higher ratings each week. That's funny. Which family member. And then Valerie's husband was also named Michael on that show as well. Oh, that so, I didn't know. Yep. Didn't know. So okay. a couple of interesting uh, things that happened there, but then it didn't last. It, it, you know, it got canceled. And then to everyone's surprise, the Hogan family, huge hit, it gets canceled. That, that it, no more NBC. So can you tell us what happened? Because you guys switched networks. So did it, just all of a sudden become canceled before it switched networks or did you just hear there was a network switch when that happened so um so it's i basically we there's a video there's a there's a gag reel that has never been released and i'm certainly not the guy to do it but <clears throat> there's a video let me step back we uh we were at the end of our fourth season or our fifth i think it was our fifth season and NBC had a certain date by which they have to say, yes, we're picking you up or no, you're not. No, we're not. Right. And that's with every show. There's a, a drop, like a drop date, right? Almost like in college to drop a class. Or, right. So our producers did not hear by NBC by that date. CBS apparently had been trying to get the Hogan family for years because we had beaten their competition. We had done very, very well. In fact, the biggest competition, which wasn't really competition, at the time was ABC's Monday Night Football during football season. But we knew, and they knew, you're not gonna be Monday Night Football. That's a staple, but you're not even, 
it's not apples to apples. We're not even the same demographic, so don't worry about that. So really it was CBS and we beat all of CBS's shows. <clears throat> so when NBC didn't pick us up by that certain date, CBS stepped in and picked it up. And I wanna say within a couple of shows <clears throat> of, of being picked up by CBS, there was a huge party on the set with a cake, happy 100th episode. Okay, there's video of it. That's why I remember this. Okay, and it's the CBS execs on there. We're so excited to have you. We've wanted your show for so long. And here's to, you know, celebrating 100 more, et cetera, et cetera. 10 episodes later, they canceled us. Um, in fact, I can tell you that not only was it out of nowhere, but it was the week before Thanksgiving. And we were told, basically, we're going to shoot this episode. You're going to have Thanksgiving off. Come back. we got one more episode. And that's it. And it was devastating. Now, we didn't expect to go forever. But we also had hoped to have some way of wrapping it up. We have no wrap-up. Like, the show just trails off. Like, it just ends. Um, <clears throat> and that was... I will tell you that to up until that point in my life, and I was uh, 19, it was the most painful thing I had ever been through um, at that point in my life. Um, what am I going to do? This is my family. I've been with them five days a week for five years. And now we're gone, like just gone. And um, it was a very emotional time. I can tell you, we all got together on a couple of occasions right afterwards uh, at, at actually at Danny's apartment. He had an apartment not far from where we were filming. And we went back to his place and we had dinner and drinks and it was kind of like a wake. It was a very solemn, uh, difficult thing. <clears throat> we were all there. Um, and it was a tough time. Not, not that it happened. I mean, listen, everything comes to an end, right? We all know that in life, all good things, sadly, come to an end. Some not so thing, good things come to an end and things get better. But we really had no warning. <clears throat> we had no heads up. And we were led to believe that, that this new network was buying us to help propel this show. And I can't help but wonder if they bought it just to bury it, right? So that they I, I mean, it was so odd, yeah. And cheaper. Look, I know it was an expensive show. Any show in their fifth or sixth season is expensive. I No doubt I understand the economics of the deal, <clears throat> but it was a, I, I will say that it was a very, very tough blow. Um, and it was sad. And it was sad. And, um, you know, life does go on and all that, but you recognize that, I mean, you know, I can say it to you, Mike, or, or to anybody watching, you know, you get very comfortable in a situation, whether it's whether you're when you're growing up or you're in college or you're at a great job, you love your coworkers and that coworkers fired or the business shuts down or, you know, it's that really, as you get older, you recognize that sadly things are finite, right? Our time with people can be finite, right? Just when we think, oh, it's going to be this way forever. Right? This is always the way it's going to be. It won't. I don't mean to be like a Debbie Downer, but it is, it's hard to learn that lesson um, where you, you truly believe this is going to last forever, or at least these feelings 
are going to last forever. And, uh, and you're let down. And that, that's, that's what it was. Um, and that's, that's the way that it goes. Yeah, I mean, it was very odd because, I mean, you guys were doing so strong in the ratings on NBC. You were actually beating your lead-in of ALF at the time when CBS stole, you know, stole you guys away. So it's like you still had very strong ratings. There right. was no reason to get rid of you. So now you're moved to CBS. They dump you on Saturday nights. And like you said, you're sitting there through Thanksgiving. Then you're yanked. Now, the ratings did drop when they put you on Saturday night, but they could easily have put you somewhere else, a show like The Hogan Family that we know is a hit that can right. get those ratings, move you to Monday, move you, you know, move you somewhere else. They didn't. And they just kind of buried, you know, in the summer reruns of July, their final episode was a Christmas episode. Yeah, our Christmas episode that ran in July. <clears throat> um, you know, and, and look, this is me at 50 now, realizing as most things are, it's the economics, right? Follow the money, follow the money. So I'm sure it was not personal, as most things in life are not personal. It was just because of the money. Um, and they did what they, listen, the network did what they thought was right at the time. And um, eventually I'll get over it. And you did have one person join the cast that sixth season. We did. Uh, who played Lloyd Hogan. Yes. Uh, John Hillerman, if you can talk to us about him a little bit. John was a really, John, by the way, may he rest in peace. John was a really dry man that I was convinced for years was British. Turns out, I think he's born in Texas. So I was a little bit off. Um, John came in to the set. Hello, everyone. Very proper. And um, it was hard to get a smile out of him. Not that he was a, a, a downer, but he was just proper. And I'll tell you who got him the best and he had the best relationship with was Danny. Because Danny would stop at nothing to make him laugh and crack him up. Um, almost like a puppy to an older dog, right? Uh, we're just kind of nipping his heels. And um, John, was, John was very funny um, <clears throat> and he was great to have on set. Uh, he was just a very proper guy. And I was in, I don't want to use the word awe, but I had loved him from Blazing Saddles and then, of course, a little bit later, Magnum P.I. But really, he cracked me up in Blazing Saddles as the, I don't know where he was the mayor. I think he was the mayor of the little, of the town. Um, but uh, John was great. Like I said, we had a, you know, everybody came to the set ready to work, ready to make the best thing that we could. Um, and we had, we had a fun time. I mean, we did three episodes. <clears throat> I forget what, I want to say it was like 87 or 88. We did three episodes in Paris. They sent us to Paris for, for 10 days. Um, and the amazing part was we were, we were really, we were a hit in the States. So when we would go out, we were recognized, right? Which was great. It was fine. But our show wasn't showing in France. So we went around France anonymous and able to just play and it was one of the few times Danny and I were thrilled to have a very small part because we got to cruise around Paris. We were with, my mom came with me and I don't think his folks came with me. I don't remember. I don't remember, but we had, oh my gosh, we had an unbelievable time because it had also been so long since we had been able to kind of 
be out and about without, you know, just, you know, realizing that there was a recognition, especially if we got together, right? Because if he and I got together at the time, people knew. But in Paris, we could just fly around under the radar. And um, we were truly ugly Americans and had the greatest time. It was wonderful. And something I got to ask you about season six, I don't know if you've noticed and ever watched back the episodes, which was kind of bizarre, is in a few of the episodes, the laugh track was very light for some reason. Have you ever noticed that? That like, I- I'm like wondering, like, where did the laugh track go? I, you know, I have no idea. If you I, watch honestly, it, so I don't, season six. I don't get antenna TV, um, which I think is the only place it's showing at this moment, certainly in, in, in the States. Um, so I really don't know. But again, you've done more research than I have. I will totally take your word for it. Yeah, it was a little bizarre. There were a few episodes, like there was a joke, let's say, that happened. And there's like, you hear like one or two laughter, like, where's the rest of the crowd? Like, it was just kind of bizarre, those episodes. Like, I don't know why they didn't put a full laugh track or something. Well, I'll, I'll tell you something. So, so I can tell you that some of the episodes, not too many, um, where there was like an event, obviously when we went to Paris, right? There's no, we didn't have an audience, right? There were, if we had let's say a stunt or something crazy. There's, we had a situation where um, it was actually with the girls, myself and Danny's character and our two girlfriends get stuck out in the rain in the car and the convertible top won't get up and, and we're soaked and all that. And we shot that actually on a set on our soundstage, but we didn't have an audience there because it would have just, it's just too chaotic to do. And so they use a laugh track. Like when there was something funky or, different or a crash or whatever a lot of times we wouldn't use that but so if i don't know if maybe one of the episodes you're talking about had something like that in it where there was like okay we got to do this stunt or we need this crazy thing to happen maybe it was that and it was just a poor laugh track but generally we had 300 people in there every friday night um which i will tell you brings up energy like nobody's business it's really like doing a play uh, which we love. We love having that audience because that that energy there. And like I said to you in the beginning, like, you know, knowing that and, and that Bateman had said to us, play it up. They love it. They love it. They love when you screw up. So make it funny. And, and we learned to do that. We learned to just make it funny um, because the audience is behind you. They're there because they love the show. They're not there to boo you. They're there to because they love you or they have a crush on you or they're bringing their mother there or their cousin there or whatever it is. Yeah. So. And you did, you did get to do um, win, lose or draw <laughs> as well. Yes. Um, and I, I want to ask you, I don't know if you did this or not. Did you do circus of the stars? So I never did. I don't like heights. Okay. I never did my good friend though. So we had a friend uh, throughout the seasons, Danny and I had a friend, um, character's name was Steve Traeger. He was kind of the, the guy that got us in trouble, uh, the rebel. His name's Andre Gower. Andre did Circus of the Stars. And there's some wonderful pictures of him online in that leotard that we have had to show him because we have to remember it. But it's funny you brought up win, lose, or draw. Um, somebody just sent me that recently through YouTube. And we showed, my, my wife. my wife loved it showed my kids, my kids couldn't believe it. My kids thought I looked like a very pretty lady at 16. 
with my lovely long mullet, uh, they said I look like a very pretty lady. So that's that's my kids. So so the question is, can you now draw a duck? No, I'm a terrible, <laughs> terrible artist. I cannot draw a duck. I couldn't do it there. Only reason like I even know what you're talking about is because I'm telling you, it was like two days ago that I watched this thing and went, oh my God, I had to like tap out, right? There's your wrestling reference, right? I had to tap to the partner. He had to draw a duck. And even then I don't think we got it. So no, I'm a, ter- I'm a terrible artist. Uh, I like other games, but art, I'm just, no, bad. My daughter somehow is a good artist. Uh, in fact, a very good artist. Um, and she is 12, but I, no, not a good artist. So can you tell us what have you done since the Hogan family? What have you been up to lately? So since the Hogan family, um, I ended up leaving after Hogan's, I did a couple of episodes of some short-lived TV shows, not even pilots, but like an episode here, an episode there. Um, and then I ended up sort of stopping and I went to college. And I studied uh, finance and psychology at the University of Southern California, USC here. And, um, and from there, got a job studying investments and insurance and went on to basically create my own financial services company. And I've been now specifically in insurance for, oh gosh, 17 years where I help people in California, all up and down California, with their life insurance, their medical insurance, dental, uh, long-term care, disability, all the stuff that nobody wants to think about, nobody wants to do for themselves, and they pray to God that it's there if they get sick or injured. So I help people with that. And then a couple of years ago, um, I decided to dip my toe back into the acting world. And I now have an agent and a manager, which is a very Los Angeles thing to say. And I do occasionally go out on auditions. Um, And Mike, as I had mentioned to you earlier, uh, a couple of years ago, around the same time, I was approached by uh, two guys that I worked with many years ago who had written 13 episodes of an old style sitcom. And they said, hey, would you wanna be a part of this? We know you know sitcoms up, down and forward and backwards. And I said, sure. And we put some scripts together. We ended up filming this last year during the pandemic, like you and I are doing. We ended up filming two entire episodes of this show completely by Zoom. We hired actors. We put music to it. In fact, they are putting the the final touches on it right now. Uh, For those of you who are curious about it, there is a website that is up. Uh, Mike, is it all right if I if I plug it out there? So it's www.heretothertv.com. That's here, like here, not the number, but heretothertv.com. And there you can see the people who are in it. I'm actually not in the show at all. I directed it, which was my first time directing. And I loved it. My wife is in it, my real life wife is in it, and Danny Ponce is in it. Uh, as well, we have some unbelievably um, wonderful other actors from both Disney shows and soap operas, uh, with Melissa Archer is in it. There are some really good, talented people in it. And we're hoping that um, it'll gain some traction and we'll end up shooting uh, the other 11 or 12 episodes that are available. 
Um, ideally on a stage, because doing it through Zoom doesn't quite give you the same feel. But I will tell you again, getting sort of the, uh, the creative juices flowing again and being able to interact with actors and writers and talented people was so much fun. Uh, in fact, there's a brilliant scene, and I'm not going to give anything away, but Danny Ponzi has a scene with his real-life daughter, and they don't play father and daughter. Um, it's a very fun scene. So we brought in people that we know, we brought in people that we like, we brought in people that are talented. And uh, I know that there's also Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, but if you go to that here to there tv.com, you can find all of that. In addition, if people have questions for me or want to talk to me about anything, um, you can find me on Facebook. Uh, it's Jeremy Licht. And I'm the guy, I have a yellow background. You can't miss it. It looks like I'm standing on the sun. So feel free to either add me there or message me there if you have any questions, as I'm happy to interact with uh, people who enjoyed my work. Okay, and now it's time for the lightning round. All right, here what we I'm go. What I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you a couple things. You just tell me which one you prefer. Okay. So dictionary or thesaurus? Dictionary. Poker or blackjack? Poker every day of the week. Super. I do, hold on, time out. But I do like blackjack too. But okay. poker. Superstore or the office? The office. Are you an early bird or a night owl? I'm a night owl. Small wonder or out of this world? Oh, gosh. You got to answer this right because... Uh, yeah, I do. Uh, I'm going to go with Small Wonder because I'm friends with Jerry, who played the main kid, Jamie, on that show, and Edie McClurg was also on the show. I was just but I'm also say, friends with Maureen Flanagan, who is this girl. Yes, out of this so, world, Edie, Evie. Yeah, yes. Yeah, that was a great show, too. That was. Air hockey or field hockey? Air hockey. Dogs or cats? Dogs. I'm allergic to cats. Backstreet Boys or NSYNC? NSYNC. Here's another one you got to answer right. Teen Wolf or Teen Wolf 2? Teen Wolf 2. Bateman. Nothing against Michael J. Fox, but I got to go with my big brother. <laughs> Skee-ball or whack-a-mole? Oh, Skee-ball. And one more you got to answer right. Beverly Hills 90210 or Melrose Place? Oh, I got trouble there. So Melrose Place, because Josie was on the show and Lisa Rinna was on the show, but on 90210, Dylan's dad was played by Josh Taylor. Oh, that's right. Oh, I'm sweating. That. Mike, I completely sweating forgot now. about that. That's right. Yes. Yeah, you got me Ooh, sweating maybe, now. Maybe you better answer Models, Inc. for this one. Yeah, but <laughs> I love all my children equally. All of them equally. <laughs> And then finally, American Gladiators or Glow, the gorgeous ladies of wrestling? Glow. Glow. My brother and I on, it was either Saturday or Sunday mornings, we used to watch wrestling in the early mid 80s. And then we were convinced that we could totally do those moves off of like my parents' furniture and onto the bed <laughs> uh, and almost break their bed trying to suplex each other. And I'm talking, I'm assuming you're talking about the glow from the 80s. From the 80s, yes. But I also loved the 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 new glow series yeah. uh, that was on with Allison Bree. Yeah. Um, not too long ago. And I was actually very saddened that they canceled that because it was such a fun 
It was such a fun, nostalgic show. Yep. So, All right. And answer. I hope, did I do okay on those answers? You did okay on those answers. You passed. Fantastic. And what would you like to say to all the fans who are watching today? I want to say thank you. Um, you know, I people message me uh, mostly through Facebook at this point, just because it's easy to get in touch with me there. And I'm so grateful to still, you know, make people smile or laugh from work I did so long ago. Um, you know, I'm, I consider myself incredibly lucky to, um, to just have people that appreciated work that I did so long ago and, and who are generally and, and genuinely nice people from all over the world. And the internet has made things very, very small. So I thank you. I thank you for watching. I thank you for your time. And Mike, most importantly, I thank you for continuing to message me every once in a while and saying, hey, man, when can you come on the show? And I said, oh, God, I'm busy right now, but I really want to. And I'm glad that we were able to get this together. And I'd love to do it again sometime. Yeah, me too. And thank you so much for joining us today. And thank you guys for watching, everybody. And we'll talk to you all soon. So keep it right here for some more great interviews. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone. Thank you.